to study your word. Pray, Lord, you bless the lesson this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor told me I had to get done today, so. Because <laughs> you want to start something new next week? That's right. That's what I heard. Okay, let's look at verse number 17. So last week we covered all the hard names that Paul knew, all these people that he knew with these, these very um, Greek names and stuff, and now we're going to be into a, a, a warning that Paul's going to give here. Verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which caused the vision. Avoid them. So verses 17 through 20, Paul gives this, this apostolic warning against to trouble the church. If you read the book of Acts, wherever Paul went, not far was people that were coming right after where he was at, and they were disrupting and confusing. Read the book of Galatians, if you don't believe me. Uh, tearing apart what he had tried to build there and, and confusing people and um, uh, halting the cause of Christ, or trying to. So Paul evidently received some kind of, he must have some kind of intelligence service out there. He, he knows what's going on in the world that he lives in there. So he must have served some kind of report on what was happening in Rome. He was happy about Rome. He learned about Rome. And he wanted to he loved those people there, never been there, but he loved them. He wanted them to just work hard and, and serve God, and he was pleased with them. But he knew what was coming behind him. So he's going to warn them, stick by the stuff. Stick by what you've learned, and don't get derailed by all these false preachers and teachers. Amen. That I beseech you is the same plea he gave in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beg you. Pay attention. You're never too broke to pay attention. You know what? Amen. I just made that up. Good. That's my job now, making up a big saying. Yeah, you're never too broke to pay attention. Some folks said I can't even pay attention. I'm so broke. But you're never too broke to pay attention to what's going on around you and, and be sensitive to what's being said. And that's what Paul's asking them here. He says, mark them identify them, watch out for them, be on your guard against them, these that come behind me and try to change and confuse and disrupt and, disrail and derail everything we've learned, everything we've discussed, everything that I've reinforced here in this church. Don't shut your eyes to what you're doing or make excuses for them Okay? Turn away from them through today. Amen. We've had folks over the last 22 years I've been here that have tried to stir things up a little bit. All these ites and isms and whatever else. They pop in once in a while and we just got to be nice to them and we don't believe this way. You want to go to the church down the road <laughs> with a long-haired pastor. Okay, so, so when, when Paul wrote this epistle, the leadership of the church of Rome was able to maintain unity. Remember, it was a tough church. Why? Gentiles and Jews. Right. And we discussed their, their sometimes conflicts and 
the leadership there was able to hold things together. So Paul will say, hey, there's going to be something here that's going to be tough to fight, especially for your, well, all of your congregants, the Jews and the Gentiles. Right. I'm uh, working on a lesson on Colossians, which I'll do sometime. But interesting stuff how the Jews went after the Gentiles, these Judaizers did. Because what you got wasn't enough. You got to add something to it, mainly circumcision. Yeah. And a lot of churches fell to that. Okay, so, but that's another series sometime. Uh, so, verse number 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches they serve the hearts of the simple. When you see the word their own belly, that means their own worldly lust. They're doing this for their own benefit. They're doing this because this is what they do. They're doing it to propagate what they believe and destroy what everybody else believes. Their own belly by good works and fair speeches deceive the simple. God wants us to be simple in certain ways. And that doesn't mean that we're, don't, don't take the word simple wrong. It doesn't mean that you're, you're dumb. It just means that you're, you're not aware of all this stuff. You're not into it. Got to be careful of that. Uh, people try to, well, I'll, I'll get that in just a second here. So, so the contrast between false teachers are, are what they do on one hand and what they pretend and claim on the other. So they do this and they say this. And they pretend to serve Christ, but they serve themselves, their cause. They were able speakers with a ready flow of eloquent words, impressive rhetoric, orators, and, and that was their stock and trade. A lot of folks like to just hear a good speech sometimes. Uh, you know, especially if it's something you're interested in. Good speaker, you can hold your attention, but it's like the magician, don't watch his other hand, because in his words he's going to manipulate you, he's going to confuse you, he's going to Make you think about what you think you believe in. And then they got you when you question what you believe in, or question God, or question Scripture. So that's what they use. You can make Scripture say anything you want it to. A verse says, Judas went and hanged himself. Another verse says, go and do thou likewise. You know, they use Scripture... They can twist and torture scripture to make it say things. Right. Why are so many churches out here confused about what scripture says? Somebody's taken the time to warp it out of shape, twist it, torture it, and now uh, you don't have to witness anybody because everybody's predestined. You don't have to do this anymore because there's Mary. You don't, all these different religious or these schisms or these things, these cults, have their own way of Believing it's away from the Bible because someone's taking the time to change it, and people believe it. They believe it. I, I've talked to Jehovah's. I've mentioned I talked to uh, Jehovah's Witness guy that uh, back when I was in Germany, the second tour. They weren't allowed to witness the Jehovah's Witnesses weren't. All they could do was have a sign out front, and they could sit there. And if you were interested, you could go talk to them. They weren't allowed to go door to door. But this guy used to go to the military 
housing. He used to go door to door. And me and I would talk for hours. We? We'd talk for hours. And uh, he didn't get saved, and I didn't become a JW, but we just talk. And he, you know, with 144,000, and I showed him in the first, where it's going to melt in fervent heat. You know, it's going like, to like the elements. It's, you know, the 144,000. Which one are you? What number are you? And he says, well, you know, we're, you know, I said, think about it. Yeah. You know, what do you believe? So, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But these, these cults <clears throat> talk He's talking about the simple means the naive. Is it bad to be naive? Not about some things it's not. You hear things and see things, you go, wow, I never had any idea. I've been naive before. And I'm glad to be sometimes about what's going on in the world. When I read them, I'm just shocked. What? You know, and God says, be a little bit naive about these cults. What he's saying is don't check them out. If you're curious about what they believe, don't go to their church and try to, you know, learn about them so you can argue with them. Folks do that. Or read their scriptures, their literature, so you can argue with them. They'll catch you. They will hook you. Because they'll confuse you and you'll think, well, maybe they're right. So he's saying be naive about them. Don't dabble in what they believe. Don't dabble in what they preach. Ignore them. Turn away from them. They are wrong. Scripture's right. right. Cults love disgruntled church members. That's who they prey on. There's a lot of Baptists in these, former Baptists, so-called, in these cults. They get disgruntled about church, and these guys come by, and they promise them all this stuff. You can be a god and have your own planet if you're a Mormon. And Mrs. So-and-so is going to be eternally pregnant. But that's what they believe. You don't know that second part until you're already in there. <laughs> then a wife goes, did you read this? Too late. You know, all that stuff. You don't learn the deeper stuff until you get in there for a while when they get you. All these cults are that way. So the, the good speech, the good speaker denying the Bible or questioning the Bible or modernizing the Bible the good news for a modern man? I'm studying Ecclesiastes. That's modern man right there. You're going to find out. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. We've been through what we're going through right now except for the virus. But they had viruses back there. I mean, we've had all these things in the past. <clears throat> and they just keep repeating and repeating. And man doesn't learn. But what we'll learn today is current with the Ecclesiastes. Same people in power. Same folks of lower estate, same questions, same no answers, except faith. You're going to learn all that. But it was prevalent in Paul's day. He's trying to warn against it. Don't let them snag you or dissuade you from what you believe. Because they question God's word. Who did that first in the Bible? Satan did. Back in Genesis, did God say... Question mark. Yeah. He says, well, I thought so. I'm not sure. No, he didn't say that. If he did, he said it because he didn't want you to be like him. You know, that's the way Satan works. Verse 19, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. 
But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Be simple, naive, concerning evil. Hear things on the news. I used to hear things at work. I mean, I was the night, most naive guy at work I, you know, that I knew. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't sit in the lunchroom because I sat in my office and ate. I didn't because I ate earlier than them. But I used to hear things sometimes walking by. Goodness, what's going on? And, uh, you know, you hear that kind of stuff and all these rumors and stuff. Man, I'm in the wrong place. But uh, it's out there. It's amazing how wicked this world is. The threat of evil teachers and their seductive operations was pointed out by Jesus himself. Look at Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew 7, verse 15. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth fruit, bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And he goes on. He was warning us back in the Gospels. He was warning his disciples. Be careful. There are evil teachers there. There was all kinds of false Christ back then. The way they treated Jesus, I don't know why you want to call yourself Christ, the way they treated him. But they went in his name and tried to do things, tried to corrupt people, tried to uh, persuade people not to believe in him, but to believe in, the, not to believe in him, but to believe in them. So it's nothing new. It wasn't something that Paul just found out. Jesus talked about it. It had been going on. It had been going on for a while. Simple concerning evil. Don't fall for it. So Paul gives a clue here of the false teachers' methods. They think themselves as grounded uh, in a pretended superiority uh, and, and, and more knowledge and intelligence than the average person. Good speakers think they're smart. They can carry that facade. Uh, you've heard those people, maybe they, these experts, these experts on the news. Any expert, you know what an expert is? Mm -hmm. X is a has-been and a spurt's a drip under pressure. So that's what an expert is found out okay so they they think themselves as superior you need to understand the deeper things in scripture you can go as deep as you want to in scripture but you're still going to come out with the truth if you do it right their views are always advanced allegedly they're very learned and they're very complex people they complicate dramatically the great simplicities of truth in the scripture. Salvation, what do they call it? The way we believe? Easy believism. You can't just ask God to save you and expect to get saved. Gotta be more, you gotta do something. And that's the thing. They want to attach works to salvation. You have to do something, otherwise, you don't feel like you're part of it. You're not part of it. It's all Jesus. We didn't do anything except deserve it, except request it. We didn't deserve it, but we, we, we grasped onto it. 
We didn't do anything to deserve salvation. But they want to make you feel like you're doing something. You're part of it. You're participating. You're contributing by doing some works. It's wrong. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear lest any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. They want to complicate everything. What do you have to be saved? Well, you got to do this, 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 and this. Swim the ocean. You know, climb the highest mountain. You got to do all these things you got to do. And people are willing to do that. Do these things. Do these works rather than accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Admit that they're sinners. That's too easy. God didn't make it complicated. Too many people in the world. The boldness of the false teacher is always evident in his blunt rejection of Bible truth. Coupled with the arrogant charge of you're simple-minded, you're so silly. Right. The scripture says this, and I can, I can show you. You tie this verse with this verse with this verse, and all of a sudden, we're going through the rapture. Yeah, all these things they can tie in. I can do that right now. I can tie all kinds of verses, tie them together. Then if you don't believe it, you're simple-minded. It's the Bible. It's in there, right? Mm -hmm. Context. 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 That's right. That's important. Amen. The old-fashioned, you're old-fashioned, you're not aware of new revelation. Ever heard that before? New, I got the book, The, uh, the Lost Gospels, <laughs> just for kicks. Names that never even heard of before, right in the gospel. There's, if you go online, you can you can search. I've done this a few times, just looking for stuff. There's a gazillion books that were written back in the Old Testament alone. Lots of them. Every king had a book that he wrote. You read them in the Old Testament. You see the book of so and so. What? Where's that at? It's not there. Didn't meet the canon. But everybody had one. All these people had books that they wrote, and some wise man empowered by God established whether they met the canon or not. Not every book did. The lost gospels didn't. Okay? Because they were they were wrong. So you're old fashioned, not aware of new revelation. What you believe here is not current with modern society. You're going to laugh when we get to Ecclesiastes, how modern, how current it is. We really are. You're going to go, wow, that sounds like so-and-so. Yeah. Well, that sounds like what's happening now. Yeah. That's right. It was back then, too. So it is current. I was telling a pastor the other day, <clears throat> the old religion versus the new religion. The new religion feeds the old man, carnal, the old religion feeds the new man, the saved. Right. Okay, so uh, when they uh, talk about the old religion versus the new religion, the old religion is what we believe in. The Bible, the old religion, the old truths of the Bible, the new stuff that has to be modernized without gender. LGBTQ2 plus something else I read this morning. That, it's a good night. How do you... Never mind. 
So Satan, remember, Satan promised Eve that she would be his God. Remember back in Genesis. But the unfortunate mother of all living fell for it. Verse number 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under whose feet? Your feet. Shortly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. That's almost the end of the book right there. Amen. That's it. Done. We've got a ways to go yet. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Well, some commentators believe this in an extracological way. Uh, and alleged Paul said that the end of the world is coming new soon. That's not what he's saying. They missed the point. There was an allusion back to Genesis 3.15. What did that say? I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and who shall bruise his heel? Thou. Not God. We are. We shall bruise his heel. The God of peace. This place is clearly in reference to God. God maintains peace. You think things are bad now? Wait till the Holy Spirit goes away. Yeah. Hopefully you won't be here. But this, the, the, the devil causes division. He's the author of division. He wants to divide us. We're getting divided. We're getting divided now in this country. They thrive on division. It is God who bruises Satan and establishes peace. But we're going to bruise him. God will crush Satan. He will crush him under the feet of the faithful. Amen. That's us. He'll do it speedily. The promise of victory, as you read your Bible, undergirds our faith. We know what's going to happen. We come out victorious. This is not something in the future. It's happening now. When we meet here and folks get saved... That's trampling over Satan. Amen. And he didn't like it. Verse 21. Timotheus, my fellow, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. We don't know anything about these people. We know about Timothy, of course. He was very, very close to Paul. Uh, Paul wrote two epistles to him. But the last three names of the verse are those of Paul's kin. We don't know anything about it. Look at Acts 13, 1. Acts chapter 13, 1. We see their names in the Bible. We don't know anything about them now. 13, 1. Lucius. Acts 13, 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. We know Lucius was from Cyrene. That's all we know. Uh, look at Acts 17, verse number 5. We've heard of Jason. 17, verse 5. But the Jews, which we believe not, moved with envy and took in, uh, unto them certain fellows, certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I love that. I know some of those guys. <laughs> Lewd fellows of the baser sort. Yeah, they're out there. 
uh, had someone work for him before, of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city in uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. Paul knew Jason. He was his host for a little while. Look at Acts chapter 20. Verse number 4. And, the, and there accompanied him to Asia, Sopater of Berea. We see his name is called Sosopater in Romans. That's the longer version of his name. How many of you got a long name, but you're called by a short name? Yeah. I am too. My name's Kurt. I'm called Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> People call me Curtis sometimes. I don't like that name. So Paul was saluting these folks. He was acknowledging them. He was recognizing them. Here, he was, he was mentioning their names. Verse 22. Oops. Well, let me... Oh, I'm wrong. There we go. Verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. What? Wait a minute. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle? We thought it was Paul, didn't we? It was Tertius who wrote it. He had the laptop. <laughs> Paul talked. He typed. Okay, that's the way it works. He was his office assistant. Tertius was Paul's, let me give you this, what he actually was, what it's, what it's called. He was Emanuensis. That was his job. Emanuensis, that means a, the person who transcribed Paul's dictation. That was his job. So he wrote it, meaning that he actually physically penned the words. Paul spoke to him and gave him the words. Okay? That's the way most of Paul's books are written. The book of Galatians, he wrote with his own hand. He says, see what a large letter I wrote? Is Galatians very long? No, but the letters were long because he couldn't see very well. Okay, so that was Tertius. In order to authenticate his epistles, Paul generally wrote the salutation at the end of the letter. From my own hand, or whatever it is he says. Uh, he, he acknowledges that he, it's from him. He writes a few lines, or he, he signs it somehow, and says something most of, most of, the, of, the, of the time. Verse 23, Gaius mine host, and of the whole church saluteth you, Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you, and Cordus, a brother. Gaius was probably the Gaius that Paul baptized in 1 Corinthians verse 14. Remember he said, I baptized Gaius, but I don't know anybody else that I baptized. That's the same guy. Okay. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. Erastus was the treasurer of the city of Corinth. So he's an important person, isn't he? He was a person of consequence. Uh, he had to be an upright, outstanding, honest person. So Paul recognizes him. Paul uh, knows that he's influential 
and powerful. Not many folks with that station in life except Christ. They can't fit him in or whatever the reason is, but you don't see a lot of important, powerful folks. You see some, but not a lot of them. that are Christians for whatever reason. And it mentions a brother, Cortus, with the same uh, respect and acknowledgement and, and honor. Verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Look at verse number 20, the last part of verse number 20. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. There are scholars who say this is wrong. There's something wrong with the Bible. It's in there twice. There's lots of things that are in there twice. What do you think Paul meant by that? Grace of God, our you know, Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all, amen. He said it again. He wanted to reinforce that. Amen. Don't want to take it out of the Bible. He said it twice. He wants them to really know that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Amen. Just saying what he said was going to happen to them later on, probably, and I probably did, I'm sure, Grace of God be with you. You're going to need it. When they come and destroy your church and infiltrate, you're going to need that grace of God. So it's not a mistake that it snuck in there twice. We had the same problem back in chapter 8. Something snuck in there twice. It didn't sneak in. God warned it there twice. Right. Oh, do you mean grace of God be with us? Amen. Yes, I said it twice. Okay. Verse 25, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. We discussed this uh, back in chapter 11 and 12, I think. Uh, when he says my gospel, what's Paul talking about? My gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what he's talking about. My gospel, as opposed to so-and-so's, that's right behind me, his gospel. It says you've got to add works to your salvation. My gospel is Christ's gospel. But it's mine, separated from those guys that are going to be here shortly. And other folks, false teachers and false Christs that are in the world. Satan workers that are in the world. Trying to uh, uh, dissuade everything, trying to confuse everything. These false teachers and preachers and these folks that come into churches and try to destroy them from the inside, and they do. Wife and I have seen some of this before. They come in and split their church wide open. They're like the Delta Force. I just read a book on Delta Force. Like the Delta Force or the SEAL team or the Army has some other specialized guys. They're the guys that sneak in behind enemy lines and they try to destroy the church. They're not outwardly at the door. They're inside. They're inside the building trying to whisper to folks, you think that pastor really meant what he said about that? Or, you know, I don't think the pastor, I don't think I agree with this. I don't think this is right. Or whatever they say, murmuring and backbiting, those are the ones that are special ops guys that are trying to make you question the leadership and the scripture. Right. And they do it. We've seen them do it. Wife and I, we got that t-shirt a couple times. And you know who it usually is? Women. I'm sorry. It's usually women. 
Tell me if I'm wrong. And they do it. Unabashed, unashamed, they do it. Okay? There's a little scripture, keep your women quiet. Anyways, I don't want to bring that up right now. Anyways, um, so he says, my gospel, the gospel that I preach that is from Jesus, according to the revelation of the mystery. What was the mystery we talked about a few chapters back? The mystery, the mystery, the mystery about the Gentiles. Remember that mystery back, I think it was chapter 12. What's going to happen to them? Or what happened to them? They got the gospel too. They can get saved. And when the last Gentiles save, what happens according to chapter 12, verse 25? Everything's going to change. It's going to be, going to be done. We're out of here. When the last one gets saved. Uh, that mystery which was kept since the world began. It was a secret. It was unrevealed truth. The old uh, prophets knew it, and they kind of talked around it, but it wasn't talked about back then. It was kept until the New Testament. When God opened it up to the Gentiles to get saved, the same way the Jews needed to get saved. That's right. He opened it up. Jesus Christ died for them also. Amen. Okay? So they were included. The false teachers wanted to add the law to salvation. The Jews were used to that sort of thing. They were used to all the laws and regulations, the the ceremonies, the rites, all they were used to that stuff. It was nothing at all to convince them that, you know, the law is still there. You might be saved, but you need to do this, this, and this to make sure, to ensure your salvation. We talked about that in Hebrews where they had to fight that old past without getting confused by, I'm, I'm a Christian now, I accepted Christ, but I still want to dabble in my old temple, my old <clears throat> Uh, synagogue, I want to dabble, I'm going to have friends back there. And they pull you back out. It's confusing. So this is a mystery here, which was kept secret since the world began. Since the mystery of the church which was kept since the world began. That's what the Bible says. It was kept it was predestined to happen. Remember, we said that was okay. Events, things like that are predestined. People aren't. Events are on God's timetable, exactly on time. Ding. It was made known. It was known back then. It was known back before Adam. The Gentiles were going to have an opportunity to get saved. There's nothing new. I've got to hurry up. <clears throat> they were able to get saved without the law. That was the most important thing. Didn't have to be subject to the law. Verse 26. But now it's made manifest. Now it's open by the, by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God uh, to be, be known to all nations 
in obedience of faith. Verse 26. But it's now made manifest. It's open. It's out there. Okay? It was kept secret, but now it's been made manifest. Look at Ephesians chapter number 3. Oops, wrong way. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 3 through 6. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul understood what was going on. Now, verse number 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So Paul's saying, I, I found this out. God revealed this to me, and I'm telling you. Gospel is available for Gentiles. I was going to mention something here about, when I talked about Tert Tertius. I can't find that page that I'm supposed to talk about. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's just in my head. Oh, here it is. The, they named their, their, their kids with these uh, Greek numbers. Tertius was three. They also got Primus, Secundus, Cordus, you know, this, Octavius, Ninus, Tennis, Levitus, what these other ones are. You know, they, they used to name their children by these numbers. It was interesting. You have all these people that are, yeah, Sexus, Simpsus, Octavius, etc. So many Roman names were from numbers. That would be good for you. <laughs> they all didn't have the same first letter, but yeah. <laughs> you can go up to 11. <laughs> Secundus, get here right now. <laughs> Tertius did this. To me, I'm really sad. Quintus, that's too bad. You should, you know, all these. That's kind of funny. I thought about you when I read that. I said, oh, I know that could be, that could be really useful. You could use that too, brother. You could use that. You can name all your kids a number. So let's look at this last verse here, and then we'll be finished. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. There's anything that the book of Romans explains from the beginning is the greatness of God and the plan of salvation that God gave us. No man could figure that out. No man would figure that out. It was God. Amen. And he had this plan from eternity before. He knew exactly how things were going to go. He knows how things are going now. He's not surprised. Oh, no. Biden's on vacation. What's going to happen? Nothing. Just like what's been happening. Anyways, uh, 
He's not surprised by people. He knows what's going to happen. His plan's going to roll on and on and on. So Paul preached this good news of the God who chose to glorify himself through the person and work of Jesus Christ, who will glorify himself forever. Amen? Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Father, pray God you bless pastors. He preaches next. Father, pray to Lord you just uh, bless our church time, Lord, and the uh, events to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.